welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Uh, and, and I'm very pleased today to be joined by Emily Dietrich. So, Emily, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast to begin with. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Very excited to have you on. So for everyone who's listening today or, or watching on YouTube, Emily is a nutritional, uh, I guess, hormone expert, which I'm really excited to dive into today. Um, and, and, you know, some of the things that we are going to cover today include, you know, the effects on your hormones um, when your, your nutrition is probably not aligned with what your goals are, um, the, the long-term effect on your metabolism and hormone um, levels when it comes to being in a calorie deficit for way too long, which is something that I see far too often, um, particularly in females. So I think there's bits and pieces for absolutely everybody in this conversation today, and I'm really excited to dive in. So firstly, Emily, um, I'll get you to actually explain a little bit to the listeners about kind of what it is that you do with your clientele and, um, and this type of things that you work on to ultimately have you know, all of your clients um, hormone levels uh, firing as optimally as possible um, and eating in a way that's going to help them achieve their goals? Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, I got started into this career because of all the issues that I went through. Um, I was a hardcore gym rat for a very long time. Spent a lot of time taking a ton of supplements, hitting the gym every day, sometimes twice a day, uh, being a cardio bunny, just on the treadmill all the time, cutting calories, constantly dieting. Um, and it trashed my body. I looked very good for a good amount of time until I hit a wall and it just all went downhill from there. And I just started doing so much research. I was a health coach already at the time. Um, and that's when I really started diving into metabolism, nutrition, hormones, all of these deeper issues that we're not taught. Definitely. I think a lot of, and a lot of the research in the health and fitness space is done on men and women are not just small men. We yeah. are very different. We have a very different hormone cycle. Men have a 24 hour cycle. We have about a 28 to 35 day cycle. So it's very different. Our needs are different um, for fitness, working out, nutrition. All of that is going to fluctuate over the course of the month. And it's a little bit more complicated. But once you learn how to work with your body instead of against it, you can move in this beautiful flow and work with your body. And suddenly you're not treading water or like swimming upstream it becomes very easy, very easy to maintain your weight, very easy to gain muscle, very, you're not starving anymore, you're sleeping well, mm. all of these things kind of start working in your favor once you understand them. And it's not as complicated as everyone makes it to believe. Mm. Um, there are some complicated names for hormones and things like that, but one of my main goals on Instagram and with my online course with clients, I try to make it accessible, try to make it very easy to understand um, so that you don't need like college courses or <laughs> universities to understand the things I'm teaching you. You can watch things, read something on Instagram, and you know how to implement that the same day. For a female that's listening right now, I know, I know this is probably like a bit of a, an open-ended question, but where's the best place to start in terms of, you know, as you've just touched on beginning to, I guess, learn your cycle, learn about your body and how you respond to, you know, what time of, of the month you're actually in and, and what kind of stage you're at with your cycle. Like what is the best place to like, where's the best place to start? Yeah. So first of all, understanding that your menstrual cycle is not just about your period. 
In fact, that's probably the least interesting part of it. And I know for so many women, for me, I either thought there was my period and not my period. And those were the two phases of my life. And that's not necessarily it. There are four phases of your menstrual cycle. And day one of your cycle is day one of your period. So that's actually the beginning. A lot of people think it's the end, that it marks the end, but it really is the beginning. You have your menstrual phase, which is when you're bleeding. After that, you move into the follicular phase, which is when your body is getting ready for ovulation. Mm -hmm. So you're building up those follicles. Um, then you have, that's for about seven to 10 days. You have ovulation, which is a one day event. Um, the days surrounding it, there's only about six days that you can get pregnant. That's when you're fertile. So you have ovulation and then your luteal phase, which is the longest phase, about 14 days long. And that's the time in between ovulation and your period. And so understanding these four phases and understanding the way that your needs change, for example, on your period, all of your hormones are at your lowest. So why you're going to feel fatigued, you're going to feel lethargic. Mm. This is a time when you should take time off the gym. You should not try to hit it hard. Um, don't be proud of taking no days off. Like definitely <laughs> rest days are so important. Mm. And it's going to help you make those gains in the long term. So rest days are really going to help you build muscle later down the road because hitting it hard in the gym on your period is only going to increase stress on your body. And so during that time, you want to kind of take it slow versus follicular, follicular luteal phase, a really good time for building muscle ovulation, you are, your energy is at its peak. So understanding where your energy is at and also gives you an understanding of, oh, I understand why I'm more tired today. Mm. Or I understand I'm about three to four days out from my period or my cycle, this and that. I need to start slowing down. And those yeah, things are going to make your period better too. Less yeah. inflammation overall. Yeah, I guess... Uh to me, it sounds like that, you know, the more self-aware you can be with what stage you're at, and then it also makes it a little more, uh, you can be a little kinder to yourself or a little more understanding as to on those days where you do feel like shit instead of being really down on yourself or, or constantly wondering why you feel like shit all the time. It's like having that understanding as to maybe today is not the best day to push. What, um, there's a couple of things out of that that I wanted to ask. So firstly, for someone who's maybe like say skipping their, their period, they're, they're using the pill and they're skipping their period. I don't know if this is a, I don't know if this is a good question or not, but like how much of a, a impact, like a negative impact is that going to have, if any? So like, let's say they're, they're consistently skipping their period. So this is, yeah, it's a bit of a long answer. I'll try to keep it short, but for example, on when you're on the pill or when you're on these forms of birth control, whether it's a pill or like a neuvering or a shot, all of those, um, they are basically overriding your body's natural cycle and your body's natural hormones. So they're kind of putting your ovaries to sleep mm -hmm. and they're saying, we got this, you don't need to do anything. And the way that they work is by releasing a constant stream of hormones, which shut down your cycle and prevent ovulation. So on the pill or on hormonal birth control, you're actually not getting a period. And yes, you are bleeding, but it's a withdrawal bleed. So it's a withdrawal from those hormones. You're not actually having this beautiful cascade of hormones and this fluctuation over the course of the month, which is necessary. So by having a menstrual cycle and having a period, your body is essentially flushing out those excess hormones, making room for new ones, and the cycle begins again. But when you're on the pill, it's just a flat line. Okay. So skipping that, you're just like this. 
Nothing, right. nothing's doing anything for you. And you the know, pill also decreases muscle, like bone density and things like this. Interesting. I know for a lot of um, girls, when it is that time of the month, they get stressed out or, or frustrated with, um, for those that have a lot of fluid retention. Um, right. I had a, had a guest on the other day and we, we spoke about this um, in a little bit of detail, but like, what's your opinion on that for, for someone who's listening, who is holding a lot of water? Cause I think the first thing that is probably important to understand that it's water, because I know a lot of girls start freaking out and thinking, Oh fuck, I'm putting on all this fat, uh, which clearly isn't the case, but is there anything that they can do to reduce the amount of fluid retention? Is it drinking more water? So you're flushing out more, more often, or is it just something that you've kind of just got to deal with? You know, it's very interesting. All women are different. Some women will experience it more than others. I experience barely anything. Um, if you've seen, you know, women on Instagram, I'm sure you've seen reels saying, this is what I look like. And this is what I look like on my period. And they're completely bloated. And it's not, that's definitely not normal. That's very common, but it's not normal. And you definitely do not have to go through that. Um, more water, also adding salt to your water, things like this are going to help you hold on to the water, mm. which you you do want to hold on to your water. Sometimes if you're dehydrated, you're also going to bloat. So these opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but also like we're talking about is understanding where you're at in your cycle, mm -hmm. understanding, Oh, during these two or three days, I always hold a little bit more water. And once you know that when it happens, you don't freak out because you understand exactly yeah. what's going on in your body and you're able to just go, okay, in two days, this will be gone. Right. Um, but I would say, yeah, eating water-rich foods. There's certain times of the month that you are going to hold more water. So making yeah. sure you're eating fiber-rich foods, water-rich foods, things like this, doubling up on your water or not doubling up, but increasing your water intake and electrolytes and things like that. From a, a nutritional standpoint, throughout the month, is there certain, um, I don't know if like specific foods is probably the best way to put it, but is there certain macronutrients or certain ways of eating that they should be kind of fluctuating through throughout the month to align with like what, what stage they are in at their cycle? Or is it just kind of a matter of, you know, let's say for example, someone's following an approach that they enjoy and that works, so they just stick to that consistently or should they be changing it similar to how they change their training intensity depending on what stage they're at? Yeah, this is a great question. And I like what you're saying is really the best kind of diet or lifestyle you're going to stick to or the best one for you is the one that you're going to be consistent mm. with. So there is a concept called cycle syncing, and this is a way to adapt your diet and lifestyle with the phases of your cycle. This can feel very overwhelming for some women. The idea that you're supposed to eat these certain foods during the different phases, and it can feel like a lot. Mm. And so some women, if it's too overwhelming, they're not going to do any of it. So I try to explain it in a more simple way of, let's say on your menstrual cycle, you want to focus on more hearty grounding foods, okay. uh, more nourishing, complex carbs, things like that. Obviously, iron-rich foods, red meat. This is going to repl replenish your iron stores because you are losing blood. Um, that during your menstrual cycle, follicular phase, you're getting ready for ovulation. So you want to make sure you're adding more healthy fats in to support that. So mm -hmm. eggs, nut butter, things like that. Interesting. I th yeah, I think what you, you said makes a lot of sense in terms of like if there's a million different things you need to think of every single month, depending on like how many days in your cycle, it just becomes super overwhelming. So, I mean, keeping it simple is always, in my opinion anyway, like the, the best approach as long as it's something that, that, that uh, is agreeing with you. 
one, like one of the biggest things that I wanted to touch on today, and this is where I think a lot of um, people will get value out of, and I think guys will get value out of this too, is, you know, I see this so often and I'm sure you do, you do too, but people coming to me trying to lose body fat, but they've been in a, a severe calorie deficit for a, a very long period of time to the point where, you know, metabolic adaptation occurs. So that all of a sudden their, their maintenance calorie intake is super low. Their metabolism is damaged. And I'm, and I'm sure, which I'm hoping you can kind of explain to us now, their, their hormone levels are uh, significantly affected as well. So are you able to explain a little bit around the effect that that actually has on the body um, after being in a deficit and, and probably too much of a, a deficit for too long? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, this is something I see very common and I feel like it's most common in women. Maybe it's common in men as well. It's just not definitely, common. Definitely. Uh, I think it's more common in females for sure. Yeah. And it's really hard because a lot of, I mean, anywhere it'll, you get told eat less, exercise more. And that's really all you're told, you know, mm. apps like my fitness pal right off the bat, they'll tell you 1450 calories, which is insane. That is the amount of food. My three-year-old niece. Eats. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, I don't think people understand how low of calories 1,200 yeah. to, four, to 1,400 is. Mm. It's, it's absolutely not even like you're going to make it. You're going to be okay, but very quickly you're going to be affected. So calorie deficits over time, our bodies are very smart and they want to keep us alive. And so when you hit a plateau, you think your body hates you because it won't let you lose weight. And it's the opposite. Like your body loves you. It's trying to keep you alive. And this is a mechanism in place to keep you alive. It is adapting to the lower calories. But another thing that also doesn't get talked about is if you don't have enough calories, you are physically not able to get enough nutrients from your food. So your body has a threshold of the amount of calories, nutrients, protein, fat that it needs to work optimally. And if you're not eating enough, you are by default malnourished or undernourished mm. for sure. And once that happens, you need, like when we stop seeing food for nourishment, vitamins, minerals, all of these things, we just see it as protein, fat, carbs. We don't see all of these things that we need, vitamins, minerals, things yeah. like that we need for all of the processes in our body. And so if we're not eating enough, those processes aren't gonna be able to happen. And our periods are going to get affected. Everything's going to get affected because this is stress and inflammation being put on the body. Mm. So, so over time, yeah, your metabolism is going to lower to keep you alive. Yeah. I think, you know, and because particularly when I start to work with a lot of females, especially like online clientele, they come to me when they're at this point, right? So they've, they've been in that deficit for too long. They've tried everything. Uh, and they're at that sticking point. So, you know, something that I, I work on a lot with clients is, is helping them reverse diet out of that, that sticky uh, position they're in and, and ultimately build up their metabolism again and get them back to a healthy set point. What are some of the things that you can recommend for someone listening at the moment that, that kind of does feel like they're in that position at the moment where they have been in a, a deficit for far too long and they kind of need to rebuild? Yeah, I would say rest. And for mm. people I know, because I was this, I was this woman, mm -hmm. it is so hard when you're in that place where you have dieted and worked your way to exhaustion and your body is shutting down. It's very hard to rest, even though innately, you know, you need it. Mm. Um, it's very hard, but resting because the more you go, 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 
your body's not going to, it's just going to fight back against yeah. you. So resting and slowly increasing your calories. I'm sure that you talk about yeah. that all the time with yeah. riding. You do not want to bounce back to the other side mm. and just go like to your maintenance. You will need to make baby steps towards that. Um, and maybe counting your calories is a good thing to do at that point. I go back and forth with this with my clients of saying, is this good for you? Mm. Or do we want to create more of a meal template saying eat yeah. a cup of this or make sure your plate is balanced this way? Because for some people, especially if they've been dieting for a long time, counting calories, counting macros, it can feel very triggering. Consuming, to yeah. That yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think that's another really important thing to think about as well is that it's very easy for, for you and I to sit here um, saying we need to rest and bring food up and whatnot. And, and you know, I was in a very similar position also. Obviously, um, I'm not a female, but uh, yeah. I, I uh, was far too underweight, um, was, was overtraining, under eating for a long period of time and had just a really, really bad relationship with food. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, I think back now, like the amount of times that there was red flags, warning signs, people telling me to eat more and all that type of stuff. And it just goes one in, goes in one ear and out the other. So I think as you, you kind of alluded to, it's super important to take those baby steps initially because it is, I think the hardest part is mental, like being able to get wrap your head around the fact that you need to eat more that you need to probably do less and then initially early stages it's okay if you if the scales do move a little bit because ultimately in that longer the longer term you're setting yourself up for success later down the track um but it is hard to get your head around that initially it is it is i i do agree with you the biggest part is mental and it's very hard i mean i have clients that show me pictures and say i just want to look like i did here <laughs> i go okay what were you doing there were you eating enough? Mm. Because the, what you would have to do to get there is not healthy. So we need to get out of the mindset. And I know I never competed in bikini competitions or anything like that. Yeah. But I think it's very hard once you know how lean you can get, even if it was very unhealthy, the road that took you to get there, it's hard to not want that. Yes. Um, yeah. You have that, so you have, you have that, uh, you have that standard that you know you've met before. So everything else, like I, I used to compete for, for I think it was about three years and, you know, I was kind of very already kind of self-aware and conscious of the fact that that, that could potentially be like the case afterwards is that kind of a bit of a head fuck between knowing that I need to put on some more weight and build my metabolism up, but also going from waking up every day and checking to see whether your body fat has, has gone down to all of a sudden being okay with the fact that it's going to start climbing up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. One other thing I was super curious about is outside of poor nutrition, what are, is there any, any other things that, that you kind of share with your audience that can negatively affect, um, female hormones, like outside, like external factors? Yeah. For sure. I mean, uh, endocrine disrupting chemicals. So things from like hand soap, dish soap, uh, lotions, perfumes that you're putting on your body, cleaning products in your home. Um, just trying to clean it up as much as you can. Makeup, things like this. Like I said, obviously you can't do everything at one time. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. It's okay. Um, but just to take small steps and know that every little bit counts. So just saying like, oh, if I just change my makeup, like that's not enough. It is. Yeah. It is. You like people that think they have to do everything will do nothing. Yeah, so 100%. really just make small steps and sleep. Sleep really is, I'm sure you talk about it as well. Mm -hmm. Sleep is 
the one of the biggest pillars next to nutrition. Yeah. Um, it is so crucial to be to have good sleep hygiene, be going to the be going to bed around the same time um, at night, waking up around the same time, getting some sunshine. You know, if you're stuck inside all day, sitting down, no sun, that is definitely going to affect your body. Right. And so all of these things that we just think, oh, if I exercise in this way and I eat in this way, I'll lose weight and or I'll look a certain way, change my body composition. But really, it's so much more holistic than that. And there are so many other factors to take into account. 100%. I, I'm sure you, you relay this message with your audience as well. But I think it's, it's pretty obvious that if you're, you haven't dialed in your nutrition and, and your training and your sleep and your water and whatnot, that supplements are really going to do nothing for you. In the end of the day, it's, as the name would suggest, they're there to supplement your, your diet and training and everything else. But Assuming that someone um, listening has all those boxes ticked, is there any supplementation that you typically recommend um, with your clientele or the people that you work with that can kind of push people in the right direction or at least aid towards optimal hormone levels and, and just health in general? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Those supplements are just that. They're supplemental. There definitely are certain ones you're not going to be able to get from food. You're not going to be able yeah. to... Like things like that. Um, the top two that I definitely always recommend, one, a probiotic. Always. Yeah. Gut health is so, so, so important. Um, you, not, you are not just what you eat. You are what you absorb. And if your gut is not healthy, it doesn't matter what you're eating. Mm -hmm. If your body can't digest and absorb those nutrients. So making sure your gut health is key. And then definitely a magnesium supplement. Right. Uh, magnesium we cannot get from food. It's our soils are too depleted. It is impossible to get the amount that we need. So magnesium and minerals, this is something I talk about a lot and it's very boring and people don't like to hear it, but minerals really are the spark plug of our metabolism, of our body. We need minerals to run ever. They're like the battery. If yeah. we do not have minerals, we can't do anything. Um, so a magnesium supplement is going to be really, really important. Um, and then past that, there's a couple like maca powder. Wow. Um, you can add it smoothies and things like that. That's amazing. Adaptogen for hormone health. Um, adaptogenic like mushrooms, like reishi and lion's mane. Those are all really yeah. good as well. But I would say the two supplements are definitely a probiotic and magnesium. Like bottom line, you need those. What are your thoughts on collagen? I love collagen. I yeah, love okay. collagen. I've been diving into this a lot lately, actually trying. I have a bunch of different protein powders that yeah. I'm trying out. Um, I add collagen to things, but it's important to know that collagen is not a complete protein. Yeah. So that when we take collagen and when we add it to a protein shake, if it's just collagen protein, that does not count to your protein intake. Like you can't day, add yeah, that. Yeah. Um, it has amazing benefits, hair, skin, nails, gut lining, all of that. It's amazing for you, but it doesn't have a complete amino acid breakdown. So there's a couple protein powders in there in the US though that do have collagen, but also grass-fed whey. Right. So it's kind of a mixture of both, which is amazing. Um, but so where I, should be the, so for someone tracking their macros, um, and let's say they're only tracking calorie intake and protein minimum for the day, what are they accounting the, the collagen to in terms of a macro breakdown if they're adding it into say my fitness pal, or is it something they should just not add in at all? Yeah, I really count it as more of a supplement. So yeah. I don't really add it in. I mean, obviously, yeah, I don't know if I would take one. it out of anything. I wish mm. you could just like zero it out and add it to calories if you're counting calories. Um, 
but it really is more of a supplement than mm. I would take it out of like fat or, yeah. or carbs. Um, but it does have such amazing benefits, but mm. yeah, in a situation like that, it's just kind of a null in a null category. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. We've covered some great stuff. I think, uh, yeah. I think the audience are taking away a lot of value. What, uh, obviously, um, I'll have the links to your social media and whatnot in the, in the show notes below, but where is the best place for, for those that have enjoyed this episode to find you and, and more of your content? Yeah, definitely Instagram. That's where okay, I cool. am all the time. That's where I yeah. hang out the most. I do have a TikTok. I'm not on there much often anymore, but I am on Instagram all day, every day. You guys Fantastic. can find me there. It's just at little ray of health. Um, and I'm super active in there. I'm always on stories. I post one to two times a day. Um, come and say hi. Fantastic. Well, Emily, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. And, um, like I said, I think we got through some really good stuff today and, and hopefully it helps those that are listening. And for everyone who has tuned in, um, if you have enjoyed the episode, we'd love for you to take a screenshot of this one, post it up on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Emily. Like I said, I'll have the links to all of her socials and whatnot in the show notes below. Um, Thanks again for your time, Emily, and, and thanks so much for everyone who's tuned in. Of course. Thank you.